Welcome to the All Things Nintendo podcast. I'm Brian Shea from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. We have made it to the end of 2023, and we already did our retrospective. So before the calendar turns to 2024, we're going to do our first Q&A episode in a long time. Over the last few months, I've put out some calls to get your questions in, and today we're going to answer as many of them as possible. Joining me for that is a very special first-time guest from What's Good Games. It's Brittany Brombacher. Brittany, how are you doing today? Woohoo! I'll be honest, Brian, I am sick as an MF, and I never asked you, is this a show where we swear or do we not swear? Uh, we do not swear typically as a uh, family-friendly show, but uh, if one uh, flies out, then I can, I can <laughs> No, thank you so much for having me. We've been talking about this for a while, and of course, it's the week where I've come down with a lovely little cold, so, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy my, my lowered gravelly voice that I yes. have here for you today. <laughs> it's a special treat for the listeners. After all this time we've been talking, I think it's been like over a year that I've been like, oh yeah, you should come on my show. Yeah, we've had you on What's Good Games a few times, especially, I think it's for whenever Pokemon comes out. I'm yeah. like, Brian, I'm like, I need you. <laughs> So we're going to talk about what's good games in just a second, but uh, the we, listeners know that anytime a first-time guest comes on the show, we have a uh, tradition of getting to know them through the lens of their history with Nintendo. So uh, the first question I'm going to ask you, Brittany, is what was kind of your first Nintendo game? What was the the first memory you have with Nintendo? Just whatever sticks in your mind as like kind of like the first encounter you had with Nintendo that like really made you kind of a fan of the company and the fan of like the work that the company puts out. Oh, this is so fun. So my grandma plays video games. So my 83-year-old grandmother loves video games. And because of her, I, I got in. Yes. And because of her, I got into video games. So one of my earliest memories is right around the time A Link to the Past came out on Super Nintendo. And I remember she was showing me how to how to notice when your map has been updated with an objective. Because the game makes a very specific little like ding sound. And that's how you know you have a new objective marked on your map. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, she was so concerned that I would not remember what the sound was. And so she played it like five or six times for me. And I don't know why that memory sticks out in my brain, but it absolutely does. So I would say like that's one of my first memories um, when it comes to Nintendo. And obviously, I got a Super Nintendo when I was, I think, five. And my dad and I played Super Mario World all the time. When he was at work, I would just farm lives in that little secret area above that yes. ghost house. Yes. Um, and we would just play that. We played Bomberman. Um, we just played Minnie and Mickey's. Uh, there was a Minnie and Mickey game. I think it was a circus adventure. So just a lot of fun games playing cooperatively. Um, and then my very first super, my very first RPG was Super Mario RPG. And I'll never forget that. That was just. Uh, I mean, I could rant on this question forever. So you must have been over the moon when they announced the remake. I, I bodily fluids went everywhere, Brian. Like, I can't <laughs> even begin to tell you how ecstatic I was. I was a little disappointed that it was very much a true one-to-one -one remake with a few new mechanics. But, I mean, the new soundtrack alone is reason enough to buy it. Yeah, it, it's great. I haven't played too super much of it, but I have had a great time with every single moment that I've played of that. Uh 
but yeah, those are all great ooh, memories. Ooh, I have one more memory I have Go to share. Sorry. It. Okay. Um, so whenever my parents and I would travel, my aunt would watch um, the house for us. And I remember one time after getting back from just a weekend getaway, there was a big old box of a game I had never heard before waiting for me on our kitchen counter. And it was Earthbound. Oh. oh my god dude and i have to give earthbound a shout out because my aunt got me into this game and it's my favorite game ever um it's just so memorable for me and it's something that she and i still talk about to this day in fact earthbound was the very first time brian i ever saw a zombie the zombie dogs in three wow yes look at that just just opening like expanding your horizons in ways you never thought brian it scared the crap out of me I, I was bet. like, why are why are there ribs visible? I was like, what's happening? So does that kind of answer the second part of this question, though? Your favorite Nintendo game? Absolutely. It's 100% Earthbound. There's just nothing like it. And the thing is, it's still so much fun to play with someone today because, as you know, that game is not very um, – it doesn't really hold your hand, let's say, when it comes no. to – Yeah. There's a reason it released with a guide, right? Um, but it's really fun to play with someone else because there are still things that I kind of forget how to do. And so it's kind of this collaborative effort. So I just played it recently, I think maybe one or two years ago for the first time with my husband. And he loved the game. And I'm excited to play it with my kid when he gets older. And it's just my my mm-hmm. absolute favorite. Yeah. Have you played any like the Earthbound spiritual successors? Because, you know, the, the series outside of Smash Brothers is just completely stagnant at this point. It's like Ness is more of a Smash Brothers character at this point. Kind of like Captain Falcon, right? Like people know him from Smash Brothers. They don't know him from F-Zero. Yeah, no, I I dabbled in Undertale for a bit. Um, And then there's a new one coming out that it's main like PR marketing is um, Earthbound like, Earthbound like. I'm like, okay, you got me. (laughs) But nothing has really scratched the itch um, quite like the original Earthbound does. Undertale was fantastic, though. I was just never really a big fan of the the combat. And I know a lot of people were, but it was just... The one that that sticks out to me that you might want to check out if you never did was citizens of earth. No, I haven't checked that out. I think that was that the first game I ever reviewed for game informer Really, (laughs) back in 2015 that that came out. I don't know if it ever came to switch, but it was, I mean, it's on a bunch of different consoles. Um, I think I gave it like a seven two five out of ten because like it was almost like too loyal to Earthbound in terms oh. of like being like not holding your hand and it's like I was just like all right where the hell am I supposed to go here like it I was just one of those. googled it and yeah holy crap this absolutely looks like something yeah but you gave it a seven point five Brian I just I gave it in twenty fifteen. Yeah, it was like January 2015 or like maybe February. I don't yep, know. January 19th to be exact. But uh, wow, thank you for letting me know about this because I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it's the Earthbound 64 we never got. Yeah, I don't know if it, it came to Switch ever. I think that maybe the successor did because there was a sequel that came out. Mm, so it looks but... like Citizens of Earth came to PS4, Vita, Wii U, and the 3DS. Ah, the Vita. Got to ah. dust off the Vita to play that one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but... Oh yeah, I forgot it. It came out before the Switch. Like my timelines are all crisscrossed right now. So yeah, I mean, I guess it would have come to the Wii U instead of the instead oh, of the Switch. Oh man, that's like a death sentence right there, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, you, Brittany. I mean, I knew you before this existed, but you are one of the founders and co-hosts of a uh, podcast called What's Good Game. So tell us a little bit about this. Like, wh- how long has it been since you founded that? Because For me, it's like, okay, that's like a relatively new show. But then I think about it actually, and it's like, oh, it's been around for like five years, six years. Yeah, we I think we all last a few years with the with the pandemic. Right. Uh, We launched in May of 2017. 
So, so yeah. 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 So that's been really fun. Um, Yeah, it was it was me, Andrea Renee, Alexa Ray Korea and Christine Steimer. We launched because, you know, we were like, well, you know, podcasts are hip and cool now. And, you know, we all kind of wanted to work on a collaborative effort with some of our colleagues in the industry and we launched and it has been so much fun and we've seen so much success, which we have been so grateful for. Um, In a fun turn of events, Andrea and I had our first kids a week apart from one another. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyone who's familiar with human biology knows you can't really plan that. It's just how it works. So because of that, and then our third member um, after Christine Steimer and Alexa Ray left for some bad A jobs in other parts of the industry, um, Rihanna Manuel Pena joined us and she just had her first kid. So for the holidays, we decided to um, just take some time off. So we're on hiatus until February, around the first week of February, Um, just enjoying time with the families, with the new kids, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. So, um, but no, it's been a lot, a lot of fun and they're just so much fun to work with. And it always gave me a great outlet to gush about the latest Resident Evil or Yakuza news or Nintendo stuff. And it has just been so much freaking fun. That's what's kind of nice about like just running your own podcast is like, you can just talk about whatever you want. (laughs) Like I, I think my listeners are probably like so sick of me talking about how super mario world's my favorite platformer of all time or Dude, how thank like you thank you <laughs> or how like i just want twilight princess and wind waker hd on switch like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. you know that's the nice thing about having your own podcast you can just talk and then if people listen that's great <laughs> because... i know isn't that? i know i always tell the girls i'm like all right there's a lot of new yakuza news this week just get your eyes glossy and just step away if you have to i need 10 minutes and then i just go <laughs> off so much fun yeah, it's it's always it's always nice, and I'm glad that you guys are having that opportunity to to step away, have have kind of a a, a break there. Because I, the, I mean, as the listeners know, I'm not taking a break for this Christmas. Like I'm just like, this is a pre-recorded episode in case people didn't pick up on that. Uh, so You've been yeah, working I mean, your butt off, Brian. Like props <laughs> to you, dude. Honestly, been traveling a lot, been writing a cover story, been doing a lot of stuff. So I'm I'm excited. As listeners are are downloading this episode, they are uh, I'm on a break, so it finally taking a little bit of time off. So that's nice. But uh, yeah, well I mean, deserved. what's what's good games? You and Andrea, two of my favorite people that I know in the industry. Uh, Rihanna's obviously amazing as well. I, I met her through her husband Danny. Uh, just a great group of people. Uh, unbelievable show. I've been on it a few times. It's always a great time. Uh, usually we're we're having a, a couple of adult beverages <laughs> when we're, we're talking about it. So it's always a, a very fun show to record. Uh, we're recording this in the morning. So no adult beverages this time around. But, um, but yeah, you and I always bond over our love of, uh, of a good a good whiskey. A good old-fashioned, which I'm realizing we never got at the Game Awards. I know. We were talking about how we had to have an old-fashioned at the Game Awards. And we talked for, like, probably 45 minutes. We and did. I, I don't think either of us had a drink in our hand when we were talking. No, I think I, I had to be a good girl because I had to wake up early the next morning and go to Sega for a thing. So I ah. knew – and, I mean, I want to say early. I mean, I had to get up at, like, 7 a.m. And that is early for me, especially when I'm kid-free. Um, so I, I had to be good, and I think I'd already maybe had a little too much by then. But that was a fantastic <laughs> – see, friends listening, Brian is just – I love your energy, Brian. You are just so much fun to talk to. Just, like, I feel like you match my energy so great where we're just like – and everyone else watching is just oh my god it's too much it's a little overbearing i think i scared neil Druckmann a little bit at that party (laughs) (laughs) 
like he is a very like quiet, calm individual. That Neil Druckmann, brilliant yeah, man. That was actually but, my first yeah. time meeting him. <laughs> like all these years, and it's like, oh yeah, you you created The Last of Us. <laughs> you're, you're you're that guy. <laughs> yeah. So, Weren't you telling me a story about Todd Howard too that night? Yeah, I accidentally like it was before the Game Awards, where like I was at an Xbox mixer, and uh, who was I talking to? It might have been Jake Baldino. Mm. and i Lovely turned guy. yeah i love jake and he and i go way back as well and i turned and i accidentally like ran into somebody like really hard and i looked up and it was todd howard and i was like whoops <laughs> body checking todd howard <laughs> yeah I, I totally truck sticked him and uh, i felt very very bad about that <laughs> you're the fallout guy <laughs> <laughs> no i have i have uh gushed to todd a few times where it's like i ran into him at like the the bar after summer game fest this year especially and I had a, a couple drinks in me and I was just like, oh, yeah, like Fallout 3. I love that game. <laughs> She's just like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, I made that. And I'm like, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and, I, and then like afterwards, I was like, stupid, stupid. Why were you oh. saying that? You know, that's kind of the blessing and the curse of being such a fan working in this industry is you just make a total butt of yourself in front of people. You just do it. I mean, I do it all the time. The first time I ever met Jennifer Hale, um, voice actor for Femship. Yeah, I I told her I said I'm jealous of all of those romance scenes you did with Caden, like legit. <laughs> that's what I freaking said to her. Who does that? And then she came on the podcast on What's Good Games, and I was like, I hope she doesn't remember that. I hope she doesn't remember that. Thankfully, I don't think she did. But what did I do, Brian? I reminded her of that interaction. Because oh why? no, I love doing that. Where I like I'm so embarrassed about like an interaction that I do, and then when I have them on, I or like talk to them in an interview, I will bring it up. It's almost like a good icebreaker because I think we've all been there where it's like we meet somebody that we admire and we say something really stupid. And <laughs> and it's like everybody has been there at one point in their lives. Yep. And I do it all the time. <laughs> I actually met Jennifer Hale for the first time this year at PAX West. Oh, she's lovely. Yeah. I was at a, uh, was it Warframe? What's the other game that Digital Extremes was doing, but they like just canceled it? It was like canceled like two weeks after that i went to a party for that game <laughs> oh no uh let's see i'm, I'm gonna it's to gonna google. bother me we're we're googling it to google go uh, to google i don't know that's what we're gonna settle on that's a good one i mean i even tried to google it too and i and i couldn't find wait it. i'm on the wikipedia was mm, it was it wayfinder wayfinder that was the one okay yeah, man. Yeah. Well, <sighs> rest man. in peace, Wayfinder. But it gave me the opportunity to meet Jennifer Hale. So that was great. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I love FemShep and da, da 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 And then like afterwards, like I was like, oh, my God, I forgot to tell her I love Ash from Overwatch. <laughs> and then like I, as she was leaving and like getting in her car, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot Ash from Overwatch rules. And she's like, yes, she does. <laughs> there you go see and that's what we do that's what we do in this industry we're professionals <laughs> we are so professional all right so as i indicated earlier pre-recording this episode before the holidays so if any big news hits we will cover it over uh next week's episode uh this is more or less a bonus episode because i listen to a lot of podcasts and i know a lot of podcasts uh not mentioning any names Brittany. a lot of podcasts take a week or so between christmas and new year's <laughs> and they take that off and I'm I'm always kind of like, oh, man, something's missing in my weekly routine when like the podcast that I listen to every Monday isn't coming out. Uh, so I figured that 
we do it upright and actually turn the topics over to the listeners. So this is the first inbox Q&A episode we have done in quite some time. So if you're ready, Brittany, I am I'm set to jump in. Let's do it. All right. So this one comes from Matt Storm, a.k.a. Stormageddon, uh, freelance podcast editor for the Game Informer show Extraordinaire. They said, what was a game that caught you by surprise on the Nintendo Switch this year? So Ah. I don't know how many you have. I have five that I can I can mention here. Okay, overachiever. Okay, (laughs) that's cool. No. um, Okay, so what is the criteria for this is that it has to be Switch exclusive because I also have a game. No, just any game that came to Switch that like kind of just caught you by surprise, whether for actually just for any reason, really. I mean, all mine are like for different reasons that I caught you by surprise. Very cool. All right. Well, then the first game I want to mention is actually a game that I have been playing while I have been sick, and that is Spirit Tea. Have you heard of this one? I have. I started it up on Xbox, but I haven't played a ton of it. Okay, yeah. So Spirit Tea is this really cute. I mean, I love Sim games. They are my comfort food. So now that I'm sick, like it's the thing that is kind of getting me by. So this is developed by Cheese Master Games and published by No More Robots. And it just came out actually in November. So very, very new. Um, But what I love about it is that it's it's a sim game where you are running a bathhouse for spirits, departed spirits, if you will. And that is how you make your money. You can upgrade the bathhouse. You can hire employees. Um, but then there's also a town right outside, which is this really like cute. And the, the art is so freaking cute as well. It's kind of like this old school, like some people, a lot of people use spirited away as kind of like an inspiration to describe it, but yeah. um, lots of fun characters to me. Um, it's not as I would say robust as something like Stardew Valley is, but I kind of like that about it. I think it's just a little easier to manage. So I've been playing that right now and that has been super fun. Um, I've been wanting to check it out and now is like the perfect time to do it. But the other game I have to mention too is um, a game called Paranorma Sight. Did you ever play that? No, I don't know about that. This one. Oh, so this is Square Enix game, <laughs> <laughs> and this released in March of 2023. And the less you know about the narrative, the better. Um, but I will say, if you are a fan of visual novel, it's a little kind of. It's not exactly like Ace Attorney, but it kind of has some of those same investigative elements. But it's a very spooky game, and it takes place in Tokyo. And there's a local ghost story that's called the Seven Mysteries of Honjo. And mm. based off of these mysteries, there are these curses that have manifested called. Um, I think they're called curse stones or whatever they're called. But anyway, they randomly end up in the hands of, I think, seven or nine people. And the thing about these curse stones is that they have the ability to kill people at will. And the, the trick, though, is that they can only be activated if there's certain criteria met. So this isn't actually a criteria in the game, but like, let's say you're talking to an NPC and they have a curse stone and you have a curse stone and you're trying to kill them because you want their curse stone. And the criteria could be something like make the NPC, um, the NPC has to look away. So while you're talking with this person, you're going to try to do something that makes them look away, whatever that is. Um, And there's about four or five different characters that you follow, all these different branching narratives. There's, I think, six endings and you will just follow these narratives narratives um in certain orders as the story unfolds and unlocks and it's very spooky and it's very good you're gonna die a lot but you're meant to because (laughs) then you have to figure out like how did that curse get activated because the person you're talking to might be trying to activate their curse on you too but you don't know what the criteria is so you have to avoid it so it's it's just a really interesting 
interesting idea and something that you just don't see a lot. Um, yeah, it's very unique. Very unique, and it's very fun. And I loved playing this at night because I'm. I, I guess I like self harm like that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it was. It was. You know, I lost some sleep over it, but it was very fun. And definitely check it out if that sounds like something that you would enjoy. A spooky narrative adventure game along the sort of lines of like an Ace Attorney. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, so Jill Grote was the one that turned me on to Spirit Tea. And the way she described it was, uh, like you said, Spirited Away meets Stardew Valley. Oh, OK. And I, I, I was like, OK, sold. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's definitely vibes of those. But like you said, there are some some key differences in there as well. Um, the ones that I popped uh, that, that popped into my brain with this, uh, like I said, I have five. I'm not going to dwell too much on any of them. Dave the Diver oh, was one. I need to one. play this. I had like, I, you know, it came out on Steam earlier this year and uh, Matt Miller, our editor in chief, wrote the review and it, I was like reading it. I was like, holy crap, this sounds unbelievable. But I am so like out of like the mode of wanting to sit at my PC because like mm-hmm. ever since we went full remote, like I am at my PC for work. And as soon as my work is done, I want to get up and go to my couch and play exactly. games or do something yes. else, like literally anywhere but sit at my PC. Yes. So I just, uh, when a, a game comes to Steam, like until I get my Steam Deck, I, I just don't think I'm going to play a whole lot of games on Steam. That's why I waited for Baldur's Gate 3 to come to PS5. Mm-hmm. And so Dave the Diver, I was like, well, come on, it's got to come to a console somewhere. And it eventually came to Switch and I had a blast, you know, like the... The underwater action stuff looked really cool to me, but I also am like a huge fan of like restaurant Sims, oh. like like Diner Dash. But there was also, um, God, what was the one that I reviewed? Like, I guess it was last year that I really, really enjoyed where like you're running a, a restaurant. But it, it's kind of like combining like a restaurant sim with like an underwater action game. See, I know nothing about Dave the Diver. Oh, you don't? Okay, well, I can um, tell uh, you more. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, I mean, I really want to play it, and I know it's on Switch, but it's like, I don't know anything about it. So, yeah, so you are just like this guy who's a diver, and uh, you go out to this island, and you go out on a boat, and during the day, you dive and go under like on these underwater expeditions, and you're just exploring this area that you have some like loose objectives that you need to pursue, but like... You are just going down there and catching fish. You have a set number of like amount of air that you can do. So your, your dives can only last so long or go so deep until you upgrade like your tank and everything. Oh. But like, and then all the fish or sea life that you catch during the day, you then take to a sushi restaurant on the island. And then you like craft your menu around like the items that you caught. So like you serve sushi to like customers and like, you know, you can upgrade the menu, you can uh, upgrade the restaurant itself. So like you can like improve the decorations, you can make it so that like, okay, well now this like recipe is like even higher quality. It takes like more resources and ingredients, but it's better. And then you're also waiting the tables or like Ah. waiting at like the sushi bar. So like people will like put in their order and you have to get it to them in a timely fashion and like, or like pour the green tea to them and like, it's just such a fun, like unexpected combination of of genres that I am all about. I and love that. I that, and that's what I love so much when weird genres mash together and it works. Because that you know that's a risk, right? To try something that hasn't really been done before. What if it flops? What if it doesn't click with people? And it sounds like this one works. And hearing you describe it, it's like ooh. That also sounds like a really nice game to play while I'm and like the underwater action is pretty good too. Like there's like mini boss battles. There's like, 
uh, like sometimes you'll dive a little bit deeper and there's like a shark down there and like you either choose to like avoid it or, you know, maybe you want to fight it because then you'll get like, uh, like really valuable meat from it. So like, there's a lot of really So it's kind of like Echo the Dolphin is what you're saying. <laughs> it's just like Echo the Dolphin. Minus, <laughs> just like Echo the Dolphin. Minus that jump scare at the beginning that <laughs> I swear to God still, I, that was the, that was the, that and Sonic 2 were the two games that I got with my Genesis back in the mm-hmm, day. Mm-hmm. And that traumatized me, I think. Like when I was like little second grade Brian playing his Sega Genesis, I think that Oh. stuck with me for the rest of my life that jump scare at the beginning I, you know i real quick I, pl- I also loved echo the dolphin but i would never do anything more than just swim on top Same. of the surface <laughs> right right i would just i just love to swim and i would just do flips in the air and i always thought like that was the coolest thing ever <laughs> that's the only way i ever played it in fact i would play that's the way i like it by uh, KC and the Sunshine Band. And I would just rock out to that while doing flips as Echo. I was a weird kid and I'm a weirder adult, but that's my story. <laughs> this all checks out. But <laughs> I, I mean, the, the swimming felt so good in Echo the Dolphin. So I get it. You're not quite as nimble as Echo as Dave the Diver. But, you know, it's <laughs> you're going around, you're you're you're. You're catching fish. I mean, by catching, you're, you're killing fish. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you're uh, you're you're catching them and to serve at your sushi restaurant and uh, collecting treasure and stuff under under the sea. And yeah, it's it's a great it's a great oh. time. And like, there's surprisingly like, like there's actually like a an in game social media where like people will visit your sushi restaurant. And you can see like what they're posting and everything about like your Ooh. restaurant, and, like their dishes and everything. So that's mm-hmm. fun. There's like upgrade mechanics where like you can upgrade your weapons and like your harpoon and everything. So that's, you know, there's actually some depth there as well. Oh, so God, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, there's a reason it was nominated for so many awards, right? So, okay, fine. So, highly recommend Dave the Diver. That's one that caught me off guard because it's such an unexpected genre. And then also, like, I didn't think it was ever going to come to anything else because it felt like it was just never going to come. But it, it did. Uh, real quick, the the next one, Persona 5 Tactica, because it's oh. such a weird fusion. And I've had a great time with it so far. I, I mean, big surprise. I love Persona. So it's like mm-hmm. a new Persona spinoff. But, like, this is not the Persona spinoff I ever thought I would want because it's like a turn-based tactics game instead of like, and also chibi style, which I did not think would gel well with the kind of established character designs. But you know, I'm having a really good time with it. Another one I need to play. Since we were just talking about water and such, did you ever play Dredge? No, but Dave the Diver just got a Dredge crossover DLC. Um, But no, I mean, I, I played like, an hour. I don't count that as like actually playing it, but like I want to go back and play more Dredge. Definitely play Dredge. Um, I loved it so much. And it's such an interesting premise because it's your fishing ship, but it also has some of those sims and those deep like upgrade mechanics to it. It works really, really well. And it has a really interesting story that goes along with it. So another really good game that um, definitely caught me off guard. I was like, how is this going to work? Surprise, it worked really well. Yeah, that's one that came highly recommended to me. And, you know, you're you're just hammering home those recommendations as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one is Blasphemous 2. Oh, OK. Not and the played reason that. the reason this caught me off guard is because this is not I mean, I guess it kind of is my genre, but like people are like, oh, it's just like 2D Dark Souls. And I am not a from software <laughs> guy at all. Like I get so frustrated by those games. And this one did frustrate me, especially near the end. But uh, I had a really great time with it. It almost reminds me of like if Dead Cells was not a roguelite. Oh, 
interesting. So like your progress all carries. It's just like a, a standard Metroidvania, but like Dead Cells style combat. I... Obviously not not like kind of like the collection aspect of like, oh, well, this time this is going to be my build. Like you can customize your build, but it's not nearly as like randomized as Dead Cells is at times. I love um, this conversation because neither one of us have played any of these games that were like, I love this <laughs> one. Um, the other one that I also had a lot of fun with was Star Ocean, the second story R. Oh, I need to play more of that. You, yeah, that, um, you know, the, obviously the R style of that game is just absolutely stunning. I mm-hmm. love that. And the music is just like, oh, God, I love this. You can switch between the the new version and the old version. And, and that old version just hits those nostalgia, those nostalgia buttons, you know. Um, but what I really love about Star Ocean, the second story R, is this deep upgrade system. There are so many upgrade mechanics in this game. I don't know if I've ever seen a game that has like as many for a game that looks like it's so simple. Um, it's not. There's a lot going on there. And I had a lot of, lot of fun just kind of tinkering with that. I did think the narrative of that game was a little slow for me. But what kept me going was, again, like the, the, all those things you can upgrade and the crafting you can do. And that was really cool. But um, a beautiful that, game, too. Did I tell you at the TGAs? Uh, probably not because we hadn't announced our cover yet. But like I went to the Square Enix Cafe in Akihabara when I was out in Tokyo. Uh huh. No. And they had, um, it was so, you know, they theme it after whatever, like their biggest release, like their, their big, most recent releases. Mm-hmm. And they had it themed after Star Ocean because that game had what? like somewhat recently come out when I was over there. And they had like, they have like some food that's themed after it. And the big mechanic that they had with this like particular cafe and this like theme was crafting. So you would order <laughs> a dish and the craft would either be successful or failed. Yep. And <laughs> and like based it's the same ingredients and everything. So it's not like if it failed, you like are paying the same price for like a crappier meal or anything. It just looks sloppier. No so, kidding. That is super fun. <laughs> yeah. So like they'll have like a, if you order like, I don't know, like a stuffed something or other, like if, if it's successful, it'll come out in like in pristine condi- condition. And if it's failed, like they'll slice it down the middle. So it's like all spilling out into like your rice. <laughs> amazing because that's kind of what it is a success or fail like there's drawings that you can make in that game and if they're successful they can offer you really cool buffs like experience bonuses etc but if it if you fail it just becomes a bunch of scribbles it's just a bunch of scribbles and it's useless but at least you can eat your meal exactly Uh, yeah that's so fun i love that craft my own drink so i made like a a fruity like soda almost and that was that was fun like they get they're like all right here's choose two syrups and like the like whatever base you want for it and then uh yeah it was just uh and like they all came with like these little like edible wafers of the characters (laughs) oh my god i need to go so bad I, w- have, I think I would never come home, though. Have you I been to, to Tokyo? Just, never. Oh, Brit. But, you dude, it was the one thing that I wish I had done before I had a kid because now yeah. it's like, I can't really, like, take a toddler. I mean, I can, but for the kind of adult activities I want to partake in, I better be kidless. But I know <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm already kind of starting to plan it in my head because, oh, my God, I can't wait. Well, if you need recommendations, hit me up because I will give you some, uh, yes. some spots to check out. I need to give a shout out to one more game, too. Yeah, go for it. And that is going to be Super Mario Wonder. Because here's the thing. I have not been hot on Mario for a while. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, what about, you know, Odyssey? And uh, cool, I'm happy for you. But the thing is, is like, I'm with you in that my favorite platformer is Super Mario World. 
right? Yes. Super Mario Wonder is the first game for me that has felt like a true successor to Super Mario World. It has that same sort of magic to it. I mean, I played Super Mario World when I was like five, right? And so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of awe and wonder and magic surrounding it. Um, You know, I was so inspired by Super Mario World that I would write stories about it and draw pictures because I just thought it was this really cool mystical area. Well, now with Super Mario Wonder, I'm finding myself kind of feeling those same feelings again while playing it, wondering what would it be like to live in this world? And it's so cool to me that this game just nailed that. And I love playing these games with my dad. So he and I have been, you know, hanging out, spending time together, playing Mm -hmm. Super Mario Wonder. And it's been fun finding the coins. And I love that, you know, they took away the time limit. I don't know if they took that, that away in other games, but it just feels like there's not so much going on in this game that it's mostly like just play find the purple coins get to the top of the pole and find the wonder coin the wonder whatever it's called the wonder shroom do your drugs and (laughs) you know it's just so much fun and that game absolutely surprised me i feel like no matter what mario games always score really high with critics um and like most of the time like yeah i can see why but it never really felt like that good to me this one feels that good to me and i have just been having a blast with this game yeah i mean that that's a good call out actually because that is one that i was kind of i love the 3d mario games lately and I, i think i talked about this last week on our retrospective episode of 2023 but like the 2d side of it has felt so stagnant ever since new super mario brothers hit uh huh back on the DS and it's like this was like the evolution I really wanted for the 2D side like it finally felt like they were taking some of the creativity that has been poured into the 3D side and implemented it into the 2D side yeah that's a really good way of putting it yeah so um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Mario Wonder and uh through the frame of Mario World later in a different question actually Ooh. um I have two more and I'll go through them quickly uh WarioWare Move It nice just because this is the WarioWare game I have wanted since WarioWare Smooth Moves on Wii, because I think that is the best WarioWare game. And I was like, oh, well, we moved on from that. We already got a WarioWare game on Switch. And then they surprised us with this. And I loved it. And I I was very surprised they actually did another WarioWare on the same console. And then uh, Super Mega Baseball 4 is another Ooh, one that okay. kind of caught me off guard because I have not really gotten into like a baseball game for a long time aside from MLB the show like when I play those games every year but even then it's like I I play it for the review sometimes and then I kind of move on like it's been like a good like eight years since I've played past the review period Mm -hmm. but this one uh I never played any of the other entries in the series but it's a good like arcade focused kind of alternative Okay, to, that was going to be my question. Is it more because look, looking at the art definitely gives you that arcade vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, it's more arcade. It's like deeper than like a standard arcade style sports game, but it it definitely is more arcade than sim. Okay. So those are the ones that caught me off guard this year, and like I've wanted to check out Super Mega Baseball f- for a long time, and this was finally like my excuse to do it because I was like, I'm going to review this one, and that makes me have to play it, and I mm. had a good time with it. So. All right. Thank you, Matt, for that question. We went pretty in-depth about it, (laughs) more in-depth than I thought we were going to. Um, Here's another one. Uh, This one is from Ace Killick, a.k.a. Cody Gibson. He says, we always say, man, I wish this was on Switch. What is it that makes a game so ideal for our favorite portable system? (laughs) What is the thing in a game that makes us say that? 
Ah, I mean, the obvious answer is the travel factor, right? Like you and I do a lot of travel and there is just no other real like alternative that compares to the Switch when it comes to the portability. That's about it. Yeah. And that lasts, you know, like two seconds. Um, I do love (laughs) my Steam Deck though. Um, But seriously, I think for me, it's the portability of it all. Um, Also, there's just something about cozy games and handheld mode on the Switch that I just cannot get enough of. So like, you know, Dave the Diver, Dredge, the games we were just talking about, Spirity, those are games that if they weren't on Switch, I would say, I wish that game was on Switch. And I find myself, this is really interesting, playing these games portable, like, you know, in my little in my hands rather than docking them because it just feels better to play them in my hand. I don't know. Do you ever find that with certain games? I play my switch docked like when i'm at home like 99 of the time it's docked and same here like generally that's what i do too but for some reason with these certain games i'm like it's just so much cozier to be snuggled up in a in a blanket with like my whiskey i don't know i look like a freaking <laughs> nintendo commercial i don't know what's going on I, I don't know. I just love playing it up on the TV. But yeah, I've been traveling so much lately that like it's uh, there are certain games where I'm like, this is perfect for Switch. Like I've been saying like Persona 5 Royal oh, man. should come to Switch for the longest time. And it finally came late last yeah. year. And like, I, I don't know when I'm ever going to replay it, but, but like it's I'm happy it's there. I bought it day one. And, uh, you know, it's nice to just have that like Final Fantasy 10, my favorite RPG of all time. It, I'm like it would feel weird if that was not on Switch. And, right. you know, I'm glad it is. Same thing with a lot of Final Fantasies. Like, I'm glad the Pixel remasters came this oh, year. Those are so good. That's Switch. another good call out for games that surprised us. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about. I think maybe it's like, it might be like the pixel art thing. Like, Sea of Stars is a perfect mm. fit for Switch. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously it's not an exclusive. But, like, for some reason, like, that pixel art style, like, the, the inspiration that it takes from games from, like, I don't want to call it Nintendo's heyday because the switch is just burning things up right now. Like it's, it's crushing it on like all fronts, but like think about like the glory days of like the super NES. And it's like, that pays homage to so many of those games. And like from that era that so many people associate Nintendo with, and that's part of it. And like the genres that Nintendo really trailblazed, like Metroidvania and 2d Mm -hmm. platformers, like, top-down action games like like the like top-down zelda style games like those feel those feel weird when they don't come to switch right yeah i think that's i think you're hitting on something really important here i think it's that sense of nostalgia that we get as folks who grew up in that era i would be really curious to know you know kids these days who didn't grow up in the super nintendo era if they still have that same thought like i wish this was on switch or if they're just perfectly content to play those games on a different platform you know what i mean anything yeah yeah, and i think anything that has any sort of graphical style or gameplay style reminiscent of those days i absolutely always ask for if i'm reviewing a game for it to be on switch now granted you know if, if there are games that are a little bit more intensive i ask for different keys for different um consoles or whatnot but something about the nostalgia of taking that with me i think that's what it is it's just like god this would be perfect for switch like the switch can run this just fine it reminds me of games of old i can take it everywhere i go yeah just why would wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you want to be able to take your favorite games with you? Everywhere? Like, that's almost why I was so disappointed when, like, the PlayStation Portal got announced, because I was yeah. like, all right, well, so it allows me to do what I do with the Switch, but only on the same Wi-Fi network. At, so, like, if I wanted to go play, like, God of War Ragnarok up in bed, I could do that. But, like, 
that's like my least favorite way of playing video games. Oh, I know. I know. So like if there was some way you could just like, even if it was like a, a 50 gigabyte hard drive, or that's probably too small for games nowadays on (laughs) PS5, a 100 gigabyte hard drive that you could just bring like one or two games with you. I don't know. Like that, that's also ignoring. That's all the literally other my dream though. I mean, I know that it would be very expensive in the thing, but like that is my dream where I can take those games anywhere I go. I don't know. Some people have solutions that work pretty well for them, but um, I'm just like, no, I just want to, I just want a portable. I just want to take it with me. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Especially yeah. with how much travel we both do. Like yeah. that's the main motivating factor for me is like persona five tactica was a good one where I was just like, Oh man, I'm glad that's coming to switch because I'll be able to play it on the plane. And like Vampire Survivors is oh, perfect. Oh God, yes. Such, I was just playing that last night, actually. You the lose new, uh... hours playing that game yeah. and that makes it so perfect on a, on a flight. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that. I think that's the main thing for me for, for Switch, but I don't know what it is about a game. I think it maybe is like something you can like experience in bite-sized chunks maybe. Yeah, and again, I think it comes down to the nostalgia and cozy factor because for me, you know, I like I play games in bed instead of scrolling my phone. I bring my Switch to bed, and I, I do that right before I fall asleep. I'll bring it everywhere and anywhere, and just being able to cozy up with it. It's how I relax, right? And so mm-hmm. I think it's it's not, I don't think it's so much as like this particular game is good for this console. I think this game makes me feel good and would be nice to take me ev- take with me everywhere and I can play it when I want to because it gives me feel good endorphins. I think that's probably what it is more for me, but probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean there is definitely something to be said about we don't have a whole lot of dedicated handheld devices anymore. Yeah. Like we have the Steam Deck, which is just like an extension of your gaming PC, basically. And the Switch is obviously a hybrid, mm-hmm. but like there's no PlayStation Vita anymore. <laughs> Rip. There's no Nintendo 3DS anymore. Oh, man. Speaking of, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have kind of the the inverse of that question and something you touched on a little bit with your answer. This comes from Herb 24 on Discord. Uh, they say, do you still use your Switch as your main console? Or has the hardware age caused you to play indies slash other third-party stuff on other platforms? I find myself wanting to buy stuff on Switch, but always worrying about frame rate or performance issues. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. I did touch on this a little bit. Yeah, when it comes to games like Red Dead Redemption or, you know, obviously God of War is a PlayStation exclusive. But if it were not, I would not request that game on my Switch, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, there was a game that um, my time at Sandrock, I don't know if you're familiar with. Yeah. Okay, so I love my time at Porsche, like love that game. I spent so much time with it. Um, My time at Sandrock came out, which is the sequel to that. And I have been so excited for years, but it just runs like garbage on the Switch. Very very sad um to the point where it's just unplayable um and i don't know if the updates are coming for the switch anytime soon i know they're coming to other platforms but you know that's an example of a game that i feel like should run decently on switch but doesn't um Mm -hmm. you know and then obviously like you and i have talked about pokemon at length about how that game runs on the switch (laughs) you know so it it, honestly sometimes it's kind of a crapshoot but um yeah you know like what we were just saying is you know when it comes to games i think it'd be a little bit more intensive absolutely a different platform it doesn't you know i tend to go roll with xbox because my my pre-arthritic hands don't handle a playstation (laughs) controller as well brian help me what Oh, I actually it, love the dual sense. Like I did, I was I've always been on like Team Xbox in terms of like which which console has the better controller. 
the dual sense comes pretty darn close to like really dethroning I love my features. xbox elite controller i love the features of the dual sense but if i like when horizon forbidden west came out i hadn't played on the playstation controller in a while my hand i literally had to rub cream all over my hands because <laughs> they were so fucking stiff and i'm like oh no this is the age i'm at i'm only 35 what is happening <laughs> oh man oh man um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of the dual sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that with the kind of, um, like you have to really look at like how the performance handles, like, for example, like mortal Kombat one is a great example of like, this is better experienced elsewhere. Right? right. Like we've all seen the videos of how poorly that runs on switch and like the huge graphical downgrade that it took. Um, What's another recent example? I mean, we talked about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet uh, a lot at the Game Awards. Oh, and how, yeah. And how frustrated we are that there is a great game under there, <sighs> but it just, like, they couldn't get the technical side of it to work, uh, which is a yep. huge bummer because I love Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, but, like, oof, going back to it now, like, I, I went from playing Mortal Kombat 1 on PS5 to playing the first Pokemon Scarlet and Violet expansion earlier this year. And it was like, you know, Mortal Kombat 1 runs like butter on a PS5 and then going to Scarlet and Violet. I was like, did I go back in time like 20 Uh, years? I think that. And then you look at games like Xenoblade Chronicles, which runs so great despite the hardware limitations. I just don't understand it, Brian. I know you and I have had long conversations about this, but it is just so frustrating to me. And I think what's really frustrating is just the lack of communication. Yeah. And then like... The Arkham Trilogy just came out on uh, on Switch, and I have not checked it out myself, but every indication is that like Arkham Asylum and Arkham City run pretty well on it. Mm-hmm. But then you get to Arkham Knight, and like according to the people that I I trust, like it's unplayable on Switch. Oh, and it's like, man. well, why didn't we just go with Arkham Origins instead of Arkham Knight then? If it right. couldn't, if they couldn't get it to run on Switch, like why why even try? And like why not call it the Arkham Trilogy and just put Arkham Origins on there? The the way too ignored version of that that game. i don't know why we just disregard that game all the time um it makes money (laughs) no i have a system that actually works for me um so i put up the nerd glasses okay so i have um a room in my house that has a treadmill in it and then i have a tv in front of the treadmill because i need to be motivated to walk and exercise so what Mm -hmm. i like to do is i like to play games on my treadmill um and typically that tends to be a switch game um because anything too intense like a first person game i'll just fall off the treadmill and i say that from experience it has happened (laughs) So don't do that, friends. Don't do it. Um, but typically, and then downstairs, you know, I have like my, my my PS5 and my Xbox Series X, and that's where I go to play my, you know, more intensive games. But I do walk every day for a couple hours. And so that's kind of how, for me anyway, I'm able to say, okay, so I really want to play these games. So I'm going to play those downstairs. And every day I have about two hours set aside for walking time, which is when oh, maybe wow. I can play something on the Switch, right? And so that's... And I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I do it in my brain. And it makes sense where it's I get to play all of the air quote like lighter games, which is like not a dig at the quality of games, just ones that can run on the switch successfully. I have my time for that. And then I have my time for the more, you know, bigger, beefy boys. And that's kind of how I'm able to divvy it up. Because, you know, if you play only on your Switch, you're going to miss some pretty amazing games that just aren't on that platform because it can't support it. So it's kind of that hard juggle of what do you play and what platform do you prefer to play on, which is why you almost need to have 
one of each, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's why I'm hoping that like whatever the next Nintendo console has just a decent leap forward in terms of performance. Cause then we can start getting more of these like amazing third party titles yes. running well. Like, cause mm -hmm. like, I would have loved to have had like Street Fighter Six on my Switch, but there's How no cool. way that that game runs on it. Would it be to be able to take that with you? You know, when you travel and stuff yeah. like, yeah, yeah, God, yeah. I love I, I love playing Street Fighter on a flight. By the way, like, oh, really? I have Ultra Street Fighter Two on my uh, on my Switch. That was like the the launch the weird launch title. They're like, oh yeah, here's a new version of Street Fighter Two, <laughs> and I love playing that on a flight. Like, it's just a fun game to like. To, to fire and time up. probably passes because you're probably you get like those hits of adrenaline right yeah <laughs> but like, i mean that's also like a nostalgia thing as well because i loved playing street fighter 2 turbo on the snes so mm -hmm. that was kind of like how i fell in love with the the franchise but all right well next question comes from a, a pr fella jacob oh. nahin on instagram just a quick and simple and i have an answer for him why don't we have a new punch out game Oh, what's your answer, Brian? We don't have a new Punch-Out game, but we do have two games that are spiritual successors to Punch-Out games. One came out recently and one is on the horizon. And I checked out the one on the horizon at PAX West this year. But the one that just came out is called Thunder Ray. And that is a very much a straightforward Punch-Out clone, but like amazing art style and animation, oh. like very like neon and flashy. And then there's one called Big Boy Boxing, which... <laughs> Also is like, this is more like, uh, like kind of like sprite based art, but mm. it definitely follows like the boss rush style punch out, um, mechanics. So those are two to keep your eye on or, or check out if you are really interested in a new punch out game. Uh, here's one that we can dig into a little bit. This comes from Andy at witty junk on Twitter. <laughs> uh, they say, I have a general question in a year like this, where the whole year was full of must play after must play. How do you decide what to play and how many games do you install at once? This is something I struggle with. I download five or six games, then suffer from choice paralysis. <laughs> I think we all suffer from choice paralysis. I, you know, I've never figured out, I've been doing this for, you know, 12 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Still haven't come up with a tried and true formula as to how to juggle all of these games. The only, like I said, kind of going back to my system I mentioned earlier where I have the upstairs treadmill time and then I have the downstairs time. So it's helpful if a game's on Switch. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to get time with that game up there and then I'm going to get time with this game down here. I mean, you just kind of put your head between your knees and you cry. <laughs> that's kind of like that's kind of how you deal with it um but no i mean you know just speaking personally now that my kid is two and a half and he just requires so much more attention and um you know he's walking and moving and running and getting into stuff i just can't put him on my lap and play a game like i used to be able to right so yeah. for me this year um it's just kind of ironic that one of the best years in games like by far in my opinion is the one where i'm like ah, oh, my kid um but I mean, this was it was a struggle to try to figure out what do I prioritize? What do I play? I mean, and then you have Juggernauts, you have Tears of the Kingdom, you have Starfield, you have Diablo, you have Final Fantasy 16, like these big games that you can't just finish in one setting. So how do you possibly try to juggle them? And when I don't have a lot of time every day to dedicate, um, you know, I get my time on the treadmill when my kid goes down, but um, for his for his uh, for nighttime, but 
I just don't have the time that I used to have. So for me, it was a really big struggle this year. But I would love to hear from someone like you, Brian, whose like literal job is to cover games. How do you do this? I mean, I a lot of my time that like I spent gaming were was like work related stuff, right? Like if I had a game to review, it's like that was like that just consumes all of my time. But like I made a conscious choice that I was going to just I got an early code for Tears of the Kingdom and I was like, I'm going to beat this before it comes out. Like that was my goal. Yeah. And of course, I did have an interview with Eiji Aonuma and Hidemaru Fujibayashi like right as the game was launching. So I was like, well, I want to beat it before I talk to them because then I can like dig into some topics and everything. Thankfully, I did. I think I finished it like a day before our interview. (laughs) So like I was like very happy about that. But, um, you know, like Mario Wonder, that was one that like I was I was like, I'm going to review it but i'm also gonna like create guides for it and like other content but yeah i mean it's it really comes down to is this game like gonna help me professionally like Mm. i i I definitely want to have like a well-rounded view of the industry right so like i made sure to check out starfield even though it didn't end up clicking with me or i wanted to check out Alan Wake 2, which I absolutely love. And I'm still getting like, I'm at the end of the game right now. And I'm like, so all in on this game. And it's one of my favorite games of the year. But like, I I try to whenever there's like a a big game or like a game that people are like, really hyped on, like uh, Dredge, for example, like I'll at least like fire it up and give it a shot. And it's it's tricky, because I've thought about like, you know, if I wasn't working in the industry, how would my gaming habits differ? And I would probably be like Andy here, where it's like I would just hear about all these amazing games. And I'd be like, oh, I've got to check that out. And mm. then uh, never check it out because I would just be like, there's too many options. And this was, a, I mean, this was a tough one because like it took me forever. I'm a big Sonic fan, but it took me forever to get to Sonic Superstars. And I never even like started the final content update that they did for Sonic uh, Sonic Frontiers, the which was like they added like, knuckles tails and amy as playable characters and they added mm-hmm. story content and i'm like oh i'm gonna love this and it's just been such a crazy year that i have not even come close to like being able to start that like i, I fired it up to like be like okay now's the time i'm gonna do it and then i couldn't immediately figure out where i was supposed to go to like activate the new content and then i was like because there's like a, sp- a spot on the map that you're supposed to go to like mm-hmm. access the new story content and like kick it off and I just couldn't figure it out immediately. So I was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll just try something else because I just I don't have time to to futz about, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a really I love having this conversation um, and kind of opening the eyes of folks who maybe don't work in the industry because it can be, you know, kind of sad because, you know, there's a bunch of games that I've wanted to revisit and play. But I when the podcast is active, you just can't because you have to play the latest and greatest and you have to play what's driving engagement and sometimes that means that you don't get to go back and play a game that you want to just because it makes you feel good like you can't justify that you know what I mean so um something that's been fun for me is now that we've been on hiatus since November is I've been able to go back and just play some games that I normally wouldn't if the podcast was still active I'm replaying Yakuza like a dragon because Mm. as you know infinite wealth is coming out very soon and I wanted to replay that And I think I've spent maybe 35 hours playing that one so far and I'm loving it and it just makes me so happy, but I couldn't justify doing that if the podcast was still active, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Even playing Vampire Survivors or an older game like Ember Knight, which I'm having a lot of fun. I don't even know if it's older, actually. I don't think it is. I don't, maybe it is. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But games that wouldn't be hot and 
And my next plan is to replay the Final Fantasy VII remake because That's we got my next re- plan. right, yeah. And but you know, again, like it's hard to do that, especially for me when I have such limited time to play games now. And so th- it's it's a fun kind of like peel back the onion a little bit. And you know, working in games is really fun, but it kind of takes away your ability to, to do the actual activity that you love so much yourself, which is play the games that you really truly want to play because you have to, again, like, I feel like this is how I feel, Brian. I'd like to know if you feel the same way. You kind of have to justify the time that you spend playing the game. Does this further my career? Is this going to give me something to talk about? Um, Is this what's hot right now and getting clicks? Or can I really afford the time to go back and play something old just because it makes me feel good? What am I going to say in the podcast next week? Yeah. sort of thing. So I had to justify because I finally decided to sit down and uh, earlier this year, I did an entire episode on it. Um, I I realized that all three of my favorite games of all time have direct sequels in series that don't typically get that many direct sequels. And mm. because my favorite game of all time, Breath of the Wild. Second favorite of all time, Ocarina of Time. Yes. Third favorite of all time, Final Fantasy X. And I realized that like it, as of April, I had not played any of them, any right. of the sequels. So I fired up Majora's Mask for the first time. And I was like, all right, I'm going to play this just so I can be like, I did it. I, I played the sequel follow up. Oh, you to had my, never played Majora's never Mask? Never played it. I, I never oh. had the expansion pack when I was a kid. Okay. And then like the 3DS version came out and I'm not the biggest handheld gamer. So I like, I kind of bounced mm-hmm. off it a little bit. And especially since that intro can kind of be a little bit uh, intimidating. <laughs> yes. Uh, so... I finally just devoted myself. To, I, I got the N64 controller for Switch and I played it on the Switch online. And, but like the whole time, I'm like, all right, how can I like make content out of this? So, like, I did an episode right. of All Things Nintendo talking about like my time playing it for the first time in 2023. I wrote an article for the magazine, I wrote an article and then adapted it to the website. And then the same thing for like Final Fantasy X2. I, that was the next one on my list. And I played through that. And had a had a good time with that as well. And like kind of lumped that into the article about like exploring it. And then, you know, obviously Tears of the Kingdom. I, I played that immediately. I did not wait the 20 years to, <laughs> to play that. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of interesting because like even if you're replaying something or like doing anything in your life, you kind of look at it and think like, how could this be content? Which is probably not a healthy approach. But right. I mean, that's it. That's honestly it. How can I turn this into content? And then it. For me, anyway, it's hard to fully disconnect them when I'm playing the game. And uh, it's like, okay, well, I could talk about this. I should screenshot this and tweet about this. But because I am on hiatus, I am able to disconnect. And I'm kind of, it sounds really silly, but I'm kind of falling in love with games again in a new way. I'm able to just play them and enjoy them and not have to worry about it. And it's like, oh, yeah, like this is why I got into the industry in the first place is because I love them so much. And it's actually been pretty um, invigorating. So it's been yeah. really nice. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, the other part of his question was, how many games do you install at once? And my answer is, as many as possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, whenever I get, like, a new console, I buy the biggest storage, um, like, available for it. So, like, for the Switch, I currently have a one terabyte micro SD card Same in it. Z's. Yep. And, like, I just download as many games as will fit on that, which for Switch, a terabyte is, like, almost endless. Even if you don't plan on playing them? Yeah, because I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get in the mood to like fire up this random game. Like maybe I'll finally check this Uh, game out or something like I'll be on a plane. I'll just have like a weird like feeling like, oh, maybe I'll finally check out Final Fantasy VIII or whatever. (laughs) You know, like it's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I I mean, I have a terabyte, too, but 
I only tend to download a game if I plan on playing it. Um, and then the problem is obviously like Switch, one terabyte will last us the rest of our lives. Um, but on like PS4, PS5 and Xbox, you know, I'm constantly clearing space out and I need to upgrade on that. Um, but yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I only download the games if I plan on playing them because otherwise it's just I, I it's like a, a catalog of shame, Brian, because I look at all these games that I have downloaded that I know I'm not going to get to. And I'm like, oh, the pressure analysis paralysis. My entire life is a catalog of shame, so I'm, I'm conditioned. <laughs> um, we have a few more questions here. Uh, this comes from R3R. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. On Instagram, they ask uh, just simply thoughts on Nintendo removing support for the 3DS, aka eShop, server shutdown, etc. Ah, yeah, isn't that sad? It's sad, but also like it's time. <laughs> it, it's kind of like yeah, they've moved on. Like. They've, yeah. they've found a new life with the Switch, um, but it's a bummer that like you can't go and like buy some of those games because some of those games were like they're either server based, which means they no longer work or they are only purchasable on the eShop. Yeah, and the eShop shut down in March, didn't it? I think so. so. The eShop shut down a while ago. So this other air quote shutdown is coming in April, right, of 2024. And mm -hmm. that just removes all the other online functionality. So your games like for Wii U, like Splatoon or Smash, I think Monster Hunter or even Smash on um, your 3DS, I think, yeah, like that's going to go away. That ability to play those games online with other people. If there's any leaderboard functionality, um, cooperative play online, that sort of stuff. And I mean, if you check out the Reddits, there's still quite a lot of people who play these games. Um, but, you know, it's just I that love thing. the original Splatoon. Oh, you know, I, you know, Splatoon is just one of those games that's never clicked with me. It, it's I liked Foam Stars. I don't know what that says about me, but I like Foam Stars, too. Like what I played of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun, actually. Lots of uh, high action. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a bummer, but it's definitely like it's it's time like you know the, the, it's hard because in a perfect world if people even if there's just five people playing right you would want you would hope that the servers and whatnot would continue to stay up but obviously that costs money and businesses are about making money and cutting costs etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's not surprising but obviously like you never love to see functionality like this go away yeah it, i mean it's a reality that we've kind of had to cope with ever since the original xbox right where it's like when like online gaming really came to consoles and then like slowly we started seeing like the functionality phased out. Yeah. Like I remember, I guess it was like 2011, 2010. I was at like a mall in Pittsburgh and I remember seeing like the news come across that like EA was discontinuing a bunch of online services for like some of its older games. And I'm like, Oh no, like that means that, <laughs> This old Tiger Woods game I'll never be able to play online. I'm like, I never played that game online. Why am I upset about this? I know it's kind of that knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, no. And then you have to reality check yourself and say, I'm never going to play that. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at the Nintendo language, and they say for the foreseeable future, it will still be possible to download update data and re-download purchase software and downloadable content from the eShop. But um, so that's good. But again, for the foreseeable future. So who knows? <laughs> who knows how long that's going to so last? Just make so sure you have a link between worlds downloaded on. Exactly. Your 3DS. You're a smart man. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So the next one comes from Brandon Alvelo, a.k.a. Mr. Luidon on Twitter. Uh, Brandon says, now that we are a little bit removed from the launch of Super Mario Brothers Wonder and you've had time to sit with it, has Wonder surpassed Super Mario World as your favorite platformer? <laughs> 
And if not, do you think any platformer, Mario or otherwise, could surpass it in your lifetime? Oh, that's a really good question. We were that's, just talking about that's a tricky about- two-parter. Yeah, Ooh. like you you've brought up some stuff. You you I did not send uh all no. the questions to you. I sent you a couple. Yeah, no, I'm just touching on everything, man. Bam. Uh yeah, wow. No, it hasn't surpassed it, like I said, TLDR. Um, I don't honestly, Brian, I don't know if anything will be able to surpass it for me because there is just so much nostalgia that i can admit that is associated with super mario world Mm -hmm. there's just so much that is intertwined with like the reality of that game that's magic in my head that i don't know if i'll ever be able to put another game on a higher pedestal than that yeah it's um it's tricky though because like i I, my knee-jerk reaction is no Nothing could ever surpass Super Mario World, which also tells you the answer to the other question that no (laughs) Mario Brothers Wonder has not passed Mario Mm -hmm. World for me. But like, I also thought that about the Zelda series. Like, I thought like, okay, well, nothing's ever going to surpass Ocarina of Time. And then Breath of the Wild came out. And same thing for like my favorite game in general. Like, I never thought anything would ever surpass Ocarina of Time. And then Breath of the Wild came out. So I never want to say never, but at the same time, like, Super Mario World is such like a timeless classic right? that it's not even like, like, I don't know what could possibly come out because for me, Ocarina of Time was always like, it gave me that sense of wonder that I never thought I would like recapture because it's like, okay, I've become desensitized to like open world and like big, like open action games that like now it's not surprising when a game is like large and open, you know, (laughs) like it was in the N64 days. But now, like, Breath of the Wild, like, gave you so much amazing exploration and, like, so much, like, surprise around every single corner and, like, so many cool things to find that it was able to, like, give me that feeling again. And that's why it ultimately became, like, okay, they surprised me in such a way that, like, it has become my favorite. Mm. Super Mario World, I think I like for reasons that are more rock solid. Okay. And I don't, it's not so much a feeling. Yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia, like both like being like the first console I ever owned, the first console game I ever owned and like playing it with my dad and everything like that. Those are things that like are, are nostalgia driven. But at the same time, I go back and play it today and I'm like, God, this game is so well designed and like controls so well. So good. And I mean, I think that's kind of the kicker. You know, we have nostalgia, right? But you go back and you play some of those games and you're like, hmm, that mechanic has not aged well. Or, you know, I feel like this game has done it better. But even when you go back and play Super Mario World, I feel like it's still just like fucking pristine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Excuse my French. Um. I get very passionate when I talk about Super Mario <laughs> World. But no, I mean, I think that's it. It's still so fun. I'm playing it. I never really have any concerns. It's such a sh- straight shooter. You know what you're getting. And it just works so incredibly well. But I I am woman enough to admit that I don't think I can remove the nostalgia that's intertwined with it. And I don't know. I honestly don't know. But Super Mario Wonder is my second favorite. Um, oh, or is it? Or is that Donkey Kong? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Ooh, we're, we're which getting, which we're, Donkey Kong? A country. I the love original? country. I love yes. I God, love. Donkey that's Kong another country. one that's like so nostalgic for me. That that. So the ones I would play with my dad growing up were Super Mario World, Super Mario Kart, and Donkey Kong Country One. So those yes. are like the ones that always stick out to me as like the ones that like are the most important on Super Nintendo. But like, you know, there's plenty of other games that I absolutely adore on SNES. Oh, we need a whole podcast dedicated just to that. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Um, 
we're going to skip a few here, especially since we've covered some of these topics. Uh, one is favorite Zelda and why. So I guess give me a, give me a quick why for why your, your favorite Zelda is what it is. Oh, my favorite Zelda. I am someone who says Ocarina. I'm sorry. It's just embedded into who I am. No, um, it's all good. Ocarina of Time, I think for some of the reasons that you had mentioned, that it just took what was a link to the past and, in my opinion, just perfectly translated at the time what an open-world 3D Zelda would look like. And there is some really cool stuff. I think the time travel was really freaking cool how you can go forward and backward in time the fact that you had all of these dungeons and these towns and these people you could talk to and these secrets and i actually just booted the ocarina of time up again like last week and just played for a few hours you know and it's something again that's timeless it doesn't handle incredibly well on the switch because i'm playing off of the eShop. and are are you playing on the with without the n64 controller i am I have an N64 controller that I think I need to bust out because trying to play it on the Switch controller is just a hot mess. Yeah, <laughs> the N64 controller just does not translate well to a modern controller. No, it does not. Absolutely does not. But no, I mean, that game just has so many memorable things about it from the soundtrack to, again, like those those narrative moments, just the world itself, how you it, you literally can just go do anything you want. Um, you know, for the most part, explore, you can collect all the heart containers. Like it was just so good. And I think it is still so fantastic. So that is definitely my favorite Zelda game. Yeah. And I mean, it was mine for the longest time, but, uh, Breath of the Wild is overtaking it for the reasons I mentioned before. Yeah. Love Ocarina of Time. And speaking of Zelda, this one comes from Ian T. Clark via Discord. What is next for the Legend of Zelda? Ocarina of Time remake? Another Toon Link type game? How can they innovate moving forward? Oh, God. So this is where Brian and I kind of differ is I think Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are masterpiece games, but I do not like them as Zelda games. I prefer my own like structured Ocarina of Time, my Twilight Princess, hell, even the top down link to the past link between uh, link links awakening link between worlds. Those are my favorites. So I would love, love, love an Ocarina of Time remake. That's the thing that I've been too. That's my most wanted. Oh, man, I've been summoned for that for geez, I don't know, forever. It's it's just the thing I want the most. Ever since the 3DS remake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. God. Remember? And do you remember that when Navi would yell at you if you're playing for more than like 30 minutes at a time? (laughs) She was like, you need to take a break. I'm like, ma'am, I'm 25. Leave me alone. (laughs) Who plays Zelda games for less than 30 minutes at a time? I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but um, you know, I kind of want uh, Nintendo to go the Resident Evil route with Zelda. So, oh yeah, yeah, where you keep innovating on the franchise, do what you want to do with your Breath of the Wild, your Tears of the Kingdoms, etc. But at the same time, go a different path where you're also remaking or just kind of you know adding some new functionality to some older games um, and remaking them in modern day. I mean, I think Ocarina of Time with all those temples and those dungeons and all the things you can do the stuff i was just mentioning modern day i mean i cry brian when i look at unreal engine remakes fan remakes of that game like holy crap could you imagine Ah! did you see the one that was like they remade like kakariko village with like studio ghibli graphics no it was was castletown i think that they no i didn't see that one oh my god it was incredible um but yeah. yeah, something along those lines, I think, would be the best next step, especially since like they have to kind of find themselves now. As like in my interview, my most recent interview with Aonuma and Fujibayashi, they said like, yeah, like I think we're done with this world that we have with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. So it's mm. like 
that means they're kind of going back to the drawing board. I'm sure they have like a billion ideas because they're unbelievable geniuses when it comes to like making Zelda games. But like, I feel like that would be a good transition period because like people are going to be expecting something bigger and better than Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, which I I hope Nintendo didn't paint themselves into a corner with that. But (laughs) the way that they could transition back to kind of that more like structured version of Zelda would be like, hey, remember the first like 3D structured Zelda game? Here it is. And then that gets people reacclimated to that style. A new generation gets uh, introduced to it. And it plays amazing by today's standards. And then they can be like, and the next Zelda game is going to be like this. And then it's a lot more widely accepted. I think that's the best way forward. But of course, like Nintendo marches to the beat of their own drums so much. It's like, this makes the most sense for Nintendo. And they're like, oh, well, that's not what we're doing. (laughs) No, we're doing something completely different. You know, I could, I could see that. I would love to see, and now I haven't finished Tears of the Kingdom, but I'd like to see honestly something way more narrative heavy Mm -hmm. when it comes to Zelda. I know everyone, you know, gets off about the Zelda timeline. I don't even care about that. Um, I'm just talking like just create a rich, rich world Make it smaller and just make it dense. Make it dense with lore. Make it dense with story. You know, give us some real, like, cool narrative meaty nuggets that we can really sink our teeth into. And I would love another T-rated Zelda game. I would love something a little bit more dark, a little bit more violent. I love Twilight Princess for that reason. Mm-hmm. And I and I know that I think a lot of folks associate Zelda with, you know, it's a family game. It's a kid game. You know, there are some things in it that are obviously like not super like happy, but um, I would just love to see a darker take on what Zelda could be. Those Zelda franchise. That's something I've also always wanted. But, you know, again, like Nintendo's going to Nintendo and they're going to do something and it's going to be wildly successful as it always is. So what do I know? So speaking of like dark Zelda games, uh, Jacob Geller, do you know him? I don't know. Does amazing uh, video essays. He's actually a former intern at Game Informer, but he does amazing video essays on YouTube. And one of them is, I think it's just called like the darkest Zelda game. Oh. And he, the, the, the whole twist of it is like, it starts off talking about like Twilight Princess and then like, it makes the case for why this is the darkest Zelda game, but then he proceeds to do it for like several other Zelda games and like why that might be the darkest. It's a very good video. I highly recommend oh, checking okay. that out. I just, I just pulled it up. I will watch this later. That sounds like something I absolutely need to watch. Yeah. He, he does an amazing job. Uh, highly Jacob recommend Geller. checking out his videos. Um, uh, we got some, uh, one, we'll do two more, both Zelda related questions. Yeah. So I brought the right person for the job here. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Tanmay Ashok via email. Dear All Things Nintendo, just listened to the most recent episode of All Things Nintendo podcast. This was a few weeks ago. And noticed that you didn't really mention any of the 2D Zeldas when talking about the one that you would like to see adapted into the upcoming film. Mm. Personally, my pick for the perfect movie to adapt is probably the Minish Cap, which might also still be my favorite Zelda game, as it has one of the simplest stories to adapt into a movie with Vati as the main villain, while keeping the kid-centric themes that Nintendo is going for. I would recommend the Minish Cap comic book too, which I loved as a kid. Still, I would hope that the Zelda movie is one that is original and takes ideas from all of the 37 years Zelda has been around. Good luck with the podcast. I really enjoyed listening to it. Thank you, Tanmay. So, I mean, I think the ones that I put forward were like, you know, Skyward Sword would be a good one from like a, like an origin story perspective. Uh Ocarina of Time, because it's the most iconic, most well-known, but also the most important from like the overall timeline perspective. 
or do they just do something kind of like more like geared towards an adventure with like breath of the wild where it's like, okay, it's, it's less about the story, more about the characters going on this adventure. Right. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. what are you thinking in terms of the, the, the story that we're going to get from this Zelda movie? Oh, I've lost so many hours of my life thinking about this. <laughs> ah! um, it's like the thing that we've always talked about, right? A Zelda movie, a Zelda movie. Is it going to happen? And it's happening. And I just, for oh my God, for the life of me, I, I okay, let me back up. I'm very excited. I have not talked about this yet with anyone. So I have, I have two answers. My first answer is I don't think any of them should be adapted into a movie because I don't think that Nintendo can do justice trying to adapt an entire game into a film and Mm -hmm. now if this was like a series or a trilogy i could see you know how that could be worked around and i think that's why one of the reasons why the last of us is so successful is they're able to milk these really critical moments from the last of us video game and plus the team working on that is just incredible but Mm -hmm. you know and they're done so well and so true but with zelda like those games have never really been so narrative focus there always is a narrative right but it's not like it's like the last of us type of narrative so i think what they need to do is just take all of the like like your your um listener just said just take bits and pieces from this universe create a brand new story and just roll with it that way um but what they did with the mario movie right exactly and i mean look how successful that was i mean there's just it's a lose-lose situation you can't adapt something like i know you said ocarina of time because it's so well known but like how do you do that you know i mean the time travel thing would be really cool to you know to to see in a film but you what is zelda to you right like do you incorporate the dungeons and the temples and if so which ones or which characters you know is it a simple story of link trying to save zelda again you know is that the retelling you're doing or are you gonna do something like wind waker or you know even i don't know it's just I think it's just too complicated. And in one film, I don't see how it can be done. There's just too much people would expect. I think they would just be setting themselves up for failure if they tried to adapt a game. Um, so again, like my number one hope and dream is that like absolutely none of them. I hope it's <laughs> completely like one-to-one adapted. I think what we're going to see are bits and pieces of the lore. Um, a game I thought would actually though, it's because it's fun to pick one, right? If we had to pick one. Yeah. I think Majora's Mask could be fun. What? Because I feel like that you- would be like too like i don't know too weird for like the first one right it would be weird but i think again like you know we're all about weird here the groundhog (laughs) day-esque spirit of it all could be kind of fun how you're always how again this would have to be more of a comedy and i don't think this is the route nintendo's gonna go for the first one i don't think they would do this but i had to think if i wanted to see a zelda movie adapted i think majora's mask could be fun because it would be kind of that groundhog day-esque thing where he goes back and he sees people and you could laugh and it could be lighthearted and it wouldn't be taken too seriously um I just thought that would be a fun little take on it. But when you when it comes to like actually adapting a narrative, yeah, I think Skyward Sword, like an origin story, that one would be great. But I just don't know how how this is. I have so many feelings, Brian. Yeah, I mean, the more I've thought about it, the more I'm with you that it just should be an original story that like picks and chooses elements like maybe there's like a like I think that there are certain elements that have to be included, like getting the Master Sword. Epona. Fighting, fighting Ganon. Yeah, Epona. Um, like, obviously, Zelda's got to be in it somehow. I, I don't know if they go, like, kind of what they did with, like, Princess Peach in uh, in the Mario movie where she's kind of, like, 
a, a, a main character that's on the journey with them instead of a damsel in distress, which is what I would prefer. Right. Um, I feel like you'd have to focus on just maybe Ganon's castle as like the one main combat dungeon temple area because that's the one constant like ganon's lair right mm-hmm. so maybe the the story is is link trying to save zelda wow i never saw that coming and <laughs> then, <laughs> then at the end you know you he goes through ganon's t- temp tower castle whatever the hell it is and he is you know that's where he sees all the iconic enemies and of course there'll be some like scattered throughout but that's where all the main zelda stuff comes in you know like maybe the keys maybe the treasure chest like i don't know um, I I am just so curious how this is gonna work. I know. I feel like it's a it's a taller task than the Mario movie. Oh, one hundred percent. Mario is just you know when you think about the that it's just like okay, give us some colorful graphics, give us you know save the world. Mario saving the world. It can be so many things. Um, you know, you have your iconic items in Mario. You know exactly what needs to be in it to make it feel like Mario. But with Zelda, like man, like this is gonna be. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I legit lose sleep over this. And I think about it. I, I, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping this is so successful, but I just cannot wait to see what they come up with. I'm assuming you, you and I are on the same page here. Link has got to talk in this movie, right? He has to, right? He absolutely has to. I mean, he can't be silent. He just that. I mean, unless now he needs to talk. Maybe he'll just be a man of few words, but maybe they'll give him a sidekick, right? Maybe like Navi or or, or something like that, which will do most of the, the talking and kind of caring of the personality. But that's the other thing, though. What kind of personality do they give Link? You yeah, know, I mean, do, what, they, do they keep him stoic? Do they give him kind of like a, a loud in your face personality, which I think would be very weird, but like it would be so weird. Um, like they've got to have games, a strong personality yet up front because like it's not like you're you're not he's not the link to the game anymore right like he's like actually a character named link that they're going to have to adapt right and that's it this is going to be like the, i mean unless you want to talk about the cartoons back in the day but you know oh well, excuse me princess but it's more <laughs> of yeah like this is going to be canon like absolute canon link's personality and what do you make that? That alone, I feel like, would take years to figure out, you know? Like, that is – and that's, like, the most basic thing you need in a movie is a character. And, like, this is something that they have to come up with. I would love to be a fly on that wall, man. Yeah. So when we look at the actor, do mm-hmm. you think they go unknown or do you think they go someone established? Oh, man. <laughs> You know, I this is something that I've never really cared too much about, but I feel like someone unknown would have a better shot. And I hope it's not Chris Pratt. Not that I have anything against Chris <laughs> Pratt, but he's in everything, man. He's an absolutely Well, I mean, it's everything. live action, so it can't have Chris Pratt play Link. Well, I mean, give that man a blonde wig and who knows what they'll do. Who knows? I mean, I, I think we have a better chance with like Timothy Chalamet than Chris Pratt. Oh, man. I, he almost, uh, he kind of looks elfish, right? <laughs> yeah. You know... <laughs> You, that's so hard though because i feel like ah, it, it's that thing of do you put in someone who's well known and is that going to raise confidence or if you put someone who is unknown but looks more the part is that going to raise confidence yeah and it's so tricky because like especially live action like it's going to be a fine line like i think that they did a good job with like the costume design for like Geralt in the witcher series yeah. on netflix where that had a high degree of like, okay, this could look like really bad cosplay. And they did a good <laughs> job like making it so like, okay, that he looks like Geralt. And like, it took a while to not see like 
Geralt's in-game face, but like you know, eventually I saw Henry Cavill as as Geralt when I was mm-hmm. watching those those uh, seasons. Yeah, um, it's going to be tricky because I, I've seen enough cosplayers as Link to know that 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 outfit does not translate well to real life. <laughs> no, well, and that's the other thing. Which outfit is it going to be? Like a, the tunic from like Ocarina of Time? Is it going to? You know, you can't even talk about Breath of the Wild because there's fifty thousand. Oh, dude, the Gerudo outfit. Put him in that one. <laughs> Let's go. It's got to be like just a. I mean, event. Maybe it's going to be like one of like what they did with like like the daredevil Netflix series where it's like, he's just kind of like in like normal clothes, like a, like a, mm. a, a potato sack, the entire uh, <laughs> movie. And then near the end where it's like time to storm Ganon's castle. It's like, all right, he's got to get his green tunic now. Well, you say normal clothes. Do you think this game takes, you don't think this game takes place in modern, modern. No, day? no. I think it's going to be a fantasy setting. I mean, I have no inside information on this whatsoever <laughs> but like i think it's going to be a fantasy setting and i think they're going to have like you know maybe just like kind of like maybe maybe even like knight's clothing right because like in some of these he's like a member of like the the hyrule Ro- oh Royal my Guard. god i i so badly like okay is is it going to be the sort of thing where he it is modern day and then he gets transported back in time like oh Mario, god no or is it going to be fantasy and is he going to like grow up like a peasant on the streets of course he is because this is a hero's origin story right and yeah. then all of a sudden it turns out he can pull out the master sword or like what's this triforce thing or you know what i mean i like, just hope it's not like a a complete retelling of like King Arthur. Oh, dude, but it could be. And just you instead know? of Excalibur, it's the Master Sword. And like that's the other thing too. If Nintendo had come out and said like this is the beginning of a trilogy, which I mean, granted, like if this does well, of course there are gonna be a million movies. That would give us a little bit more insight. I feel like you could definitively say this will be the origin story. So, but is this going to be an origin story, or are they just going to kind of like fast forward you through where he's just like this like mercenary on you know there's just so much there there's a million different directions they could go i mean like uh tan may said there are 37 years of zelda to pull from yeah yeah it's uh there's a lot of inspiration a lot of elements that they could piece together for this and i am deadly curious how like they're gonna go with like the direction of this and I am crossing my fingers and everything else that can be crossed that it turns out well, because I was, I was not super high on like what I was thinking about, like the Mario movie. And that turned out to be really good for what it was. Right. Like, I I think that Zelda requires a bit more substance than the Mario movie though. So we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. And I feel like no matter what, you know, you just can't please everybody with a movie, one movie. I mean, you can't please anybody in general, but there's just so much. So, I mean, my hope is that people just keep an open mind and when they go see it, just try to appreciate it for whatever, whatever it will be. Mm -hmm. All right. So we will end on this one and guess what? It's another Zelda one. Uh, It's from J herb 24 again. And uh, they ask, what is your favorite Zelda dungeon and item of all time? Ooh, this one is fun. Okay, so I think my favorite dungeon, again, going back to Ocarina of Time, it's actually a temple. And it is the Forest Temple. That's on my list. 
Is it? Heck yes. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And the reason for that is because, you know, I think I think after you pull the Master Sword out and seven years have passed, you can either do the Fire Temple or the Forest Temple first. I the correct always, answer is the Forest Temple. Yeah, 100%. 100% the Forest Temple. And I think what's so cool about this is obviously seven years have passed and now you're venturing into this brand new dark Hyrule, right? And one of the first things you do is you go to Dompe's ghost. Dompe has died because he's so many years have passed and now he's a freaking ghost and you have to pull back like a grave and like go do this whole thing and that for me at the time was really mind-blowing the way that this game could show you that so much has changed this time has really passed some people are alive now and some people are dead now that maybe weren't back then and that was a really cool moment for me and then not to mention then you go back you know and and you go to the one of the areas you went when you were a kid and then you have to use the hook shot to get up there and then you meet do you call her Saria? What do you, how do you say her name? Uh, oh boy, it's uh, I've always said Saria, but I've heard people say oh, Saria. Saria. I've never I mean, that was that me one. growing up as like a kid, like having no idea like how to pronounce anything that was like just text on the screen. So it's like yeah. that's not an English word, but I, I think that in my my head it's now Saria. But like growing up, it was Saria. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I always called her Sarah when I was younger because I was like, a co- and I never <laughs> talked to anyone. And then now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's that's absolutely there's not right. There's an eye in there. <laughs> there's, yeah. And so I think, you know, checking all that out and getting to the entrance of the Forest Temple. And then for me, the music in that temple, I feel yeah. like was like, yo, this is the big leagues now, right? You're an adult. You're no longer crawling inside the bellies of fish and stuff. You know, <laughs> you're no longer crawling inside trees. Um you know, this is this is big leagues like the the, the the enemies, the use of the bow, which I felt like was such a grown up item that you get in there. Mm-hmm. Phantom Ganon and oh, that I think, boss battle. So cool. And I think for me, again, it just comes back to like it really made me feel like I was growing up and I was I was going against enemies way out of my league. And it just was really, really memorable for me. Um, whenever I hear that music, I still get goosebumps uh, yeah, from the forest I- temple. Yeah, maybe the most memorable moment in my entire first playthrough of Ocarina of Time was fighting Phantom Ganon or Phantom Ganon. Is is he just called Phantom Ganon or is it Phantom Ganondorf? I forget. I think Phantom Ganon, I think. Is it? Let me look. Fighting him and like I remember I just could not beat him as like a kid. And then, oh. like, I remember I beat him finally and I was like shaking because I was mm. like so because like, you know, like when you're stuck on a boss and like you finally start doing well against that boss, like after like dying like sw- like six yep. or seven times, you like start getting like anxious, like, oh, no, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. And I, that's how I was feeling. And I was just like shaking. I was, wa- I was standing up in my bedroom because I had like a tiny little TV like mounted on the wall. <laughs> I was just like, I had my N64 plugged in through like the RFU connector. Remember that where you had to turn on like channel oh, three yes. oh, and like yes. it only played mono. So like I didn't have like all like the full soundtrack. It was like certain sounds just, and I remember playing it in stereo for the first time and be like, oh, there's extra sound that I was not hearing. <laughs> oh no, Brian. <laughs> but like that boss battle had like such an impact on me and like, I loved it so much, but I was like, I just got like my everything handed to me in the first few fights on that my biggest flex i think in my entire life is i never died during playing while playing ocarina of time what never never died i I don't know know how you do that and then the first time i did die was when i played master quest and i was inside the deku tree and there were keys in there and i was not expecting them and they killed me and i was very sad but that wasn't until i played master quest but no my first playthrough of ocarina of time i think i was eight never died wow yeah 
That, I don't know. That's really impressive, actually. I know. I am impressed with myself because nowadays I just <laughs> die like, like it's nothing. It's like, eh, whatever. Uh, so I'll shout out a couple others. Uh, Deku Tree, you mentioned that. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because of how perfect it is in tutorializing how dungeons work. Yeah. Especially in a 3D space, which was b- brand new at the time. Like, you're like oh, you can jump off like this high thing and break through the spider web. And it's oh, like, isn't what? That so and, the, and you can light a torch and you can burn the webs. Yeah. And I still think Queen Goma is one of the scariest bosses so and the most good. intimidating because you only have three hearts. Mm-hmm. And if you don't peg that woman when you're <laughs> in time, she'll drop all of her kids. And it's a whole thing, man. So good. Such like a perfect introduction dungeon, if there ever was one. Yes. And then one that like, frustrated me at the time i think but i in retrospect i like it a lot is snow peak ruins from twilight princess oh yeah okay that's I love that you're really like helping out these this yeti family and like <laughs> Dude. some fun puzzles in there some fun combat situations uh very fond memories of that in hindsight i remember being kind of frustrated with the first time i played that one but mm-hmm. yeah those are my picks for dungeons uh items any ones that stick out for you uh yeah, the Megaton hammer. <laughs> Again, all of my choices are from Ocarina. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I love that freaking hammer. And I think it's because my gameplay style is I'm a tank at heart. I just like smacking stuff. And I love thwacking the enemies. And I even remember if you would hit, I think the tech tights, is that what they're called? The little like um spidery enemies. If you smack it, yeah. I think they, they would flip over. And I always thought that was super cool. I was like bongo bongo with a hammer. It was the freaking best. <laughs> and it was just so satisfying. And I think I had read somewhere back in the day that it's as powerful as the master sword. But obviously Obviously, like it's a lot slower mm-hmm. so i would try to just take my hammer out knowing that and just try to like play as much of the game as i could but it was just so satisfying i don't know why i've always loved that thing i mean obviously like the chain chomp the, the bow wow from link's awakening is up there too i think that one's pretty cool yeah but um the, the hammer by far is my also favorite. shout out to the shadow temple in ocarina of time that's another good one. Oh, that is such you a good one bongo bongo um i love that boss fight yeah th- that entire Temple is incredible. Um, few that are obvious ones. Hook shot. It's always great when you get that. And you can like suddenly like Spider-Man across a dungeon. And that clinking sound. Yeah. Oh, it God. Makes... It's so good. Um, fierce deity mask. Come on. Oh, oh, it's yeah. It's a cheat well, you... code, but, you know, it's, oh, it's so. You, you go to daddy from zero to 100, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you earn it. You, you, you earn do. that more than any other item in like Zelda. Like you. That's a good pick you have to put in the work for that one Mm, um mm. and i did do that for my first playthrough of majora's mask earlier this year i as you do man absolutely uh the ocarina of time come on yeah that so iconic did i (laughs) i once made um the ocarina in my ceramics class in high school in in 2006 i oh i wish i could show you it but yeah i made this like it's kind of lumpy because like listen i'm not the most artistically talented person out there but i i I made that i made the ocarina and my teacher my art teacher had to pull me aside because he thought i was making a bong (laughs) (laughs) i was like no 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 (laughs) I actually just bought one off Amazon. Like it was just like if somebody made it and I was like, yeah. All right, uh, cool. I'll just buy that. Cause I have a wind waker as well because uh, when the Zelda symphony orchestra was touring, they sold those on the website. Cause that's what the conductor used to conduct was oh, the wind waker cool. and they sold replicas of it. So I'm like, well, I'm absolutely buying that. And uh, so I have the Ocarina of time and the wind waker. So I'm, I'm set on the, the What's- instrument. 
what's that mask in Ocarina that lets you read the gossip stones? Oh, 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 I'm trying shoot. to remember what, what that was. I can't remember. Um, but whatever that was, I always thought was it was a mask, right? That you could yeah. wear. Uh, the, the either was it the Sheikah mask? mask? It Sheikah might mask? be the Sheikah mask. Yeah. I will never forget this. I remember one of the gossip stones. I think it's where Lord Jabu Jabu. No, um, King Zora is. Mask of Truth. The Mask of Truth. There we go. Um, the the Mask of Truth. When you read one of the gossip stones by King Zora, um, I think there's a quote in there how it says, I think Shigeru Miyamoto says, true Zelda players play with the hold and not the switch on Z-targeting. <laughs> I don't know. If, I remember that. And I remember being so proud of myself because I only ever did the hold Z-targeting. And if anyone's ever played this game or played an N64 controller, they're probably, what are you two ancient mofos talking about? But I'll never forget that. That was such a cool moment for me. I'm totally digressing, but oh well. <laughs> and the last one I want to shout out is the spinner from Twilight Princess. Underrated, oh, underutilized yeah. item. But that was so much fun. You could basically like Tony Hawk grind your way across stuff. And then the boss battle using that was amazing. And then the designers just forgot it existed. And so did the rest of the Zelda franchise. Yeah. Wow. Oh, the bunny mask. Shout out to that too, where you could move fast. Yeah. That, I mean, it's so helpful when you're trying to do stuff in uh, Majora's mask. You know what's an underrated item is the Deku Nut because it stuns enemies nearby. And I never really used it as to my full advantage, but I should have. That's a good one. I mean, they're, this is I, I could talk about this forever, honestly. <laughs> but we've come to the end of the show, Britt. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Ah, thank you for having me and letting me ramble and rant forever and ever. I haven't done a podcast in a few months, so this felt good to get and out of my dusting system. Dusting off the cobwebs. Woo! Uh, but thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor. If you haven't already, throw all things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at GameInformer.com or hit me up on social media at Brian Pichet. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel even just for one month. Brittany, tell everyone where they can find you online. You can find me on, I guess it's called X, <laughs> um, at Blonde Nerd, formerly known as Twitter. And the What's Good Games podcast is returning in February, so look forward to that. But yeah, I mostly just post on uh, Twitter again, Blonde Nerd. That is our show for this week and by extension this year. Thank you all again so much for listening. Take care. We'll see you in 2024.